It is the 2023 season. It is the TD Club. I am Sean Curtis, at Sean Curtis 430 on any of your social mediums. Mike Mastovich, at Masty81 on X or Twitter, depending on what you want to call it. That's where you can find him. And we've got a lot to talk about in what is kind of a kickoff episode. We're not going to necessarily look at week one. We're going to look at everything that's going to make 2023 what 2023 is going to be. And I think the biggest, we'll just get into it. The biggest thing is the conference realignment because we had some big ships in this offseason. Now, we knew about this during the season last year, but now we're looking at a Laurel Highlands Athletic Conference that has almost doubled in size. The Westpac is no more in terms of football. The Heritage Conference is now a 12-team league, and we've got four schools out of Somerset County that were previously in the Westpac, now competing in the Inter-County Conference. And, Mike, let's go with the Laurel Highlands Athletic Conference first. And none of our area teams have departed or joined the Laurel Highlands. This is all expanding this conference into what is probably going to be one of the better, if not the best, mid-size conference in the state. Yeah, we knew this was coming last year, as you said, and, and everybody's just kind of waiting for the reality to, to come here and hit us. And that's kind of what I wrote the overview to the tab about, uh, you know, everybody's waiting a year to see this all unfold. Now, finally, it's here. Well, the Laurel Highlands Athletic Conference, as you said, 20 teams. There are going to be four divisions, and it's geographical. There's uh, two sections, an east and a west, with uh, two divisions in each. And the 20 teams are in football. Overall, there's 22 teams in the conference because Holidaysburg is now a Laurel Highlands Athletic Conference member in all sports except football. And, of course, uh, Bishop Carroll has a football co-op with Bishop McCourt. So those two schools would make it 22 in other sports. But we're dealing with 20 in football. And, man, what a pretty cool setup. Uh, Our local schools, the, the area schools in the coverage area, uh, pretty much are all linked together in this conference. The Laurel Highlands Athletic Conference West 1 includes Bishop McCourt, Carroll Catholic, Greater Johnstown, Richland, Westmont Hilltop, and Somerset. So you've got the uh, four city area schools and Somerset, so pretty close geographic. And then the West 2 includes Coverage area teams, Bedford, Central Cambria, Chestnut Ridge, Forest Hills, and Penn Cambria, teams that have been plenty familiar with each other throughout the uh, LHAC in recent years. So the East 1 division takes two of the teams that originally were in the Laurel Highlands, uh, Central and Bishop Guilfoyle Catholic, and they put in the East 1 with them, Bellwood Annis, a former inter-county conference team, Huntington and Tyrone, which are each former Mountain League teams. And the East 2 has all former Mountain League teams, Bald Eagle Area, Belfont, Clearfield, Penns Valley, and Phillipsburg, Osceola. So that's 20 teams uh, with four, I don't know how you want to call them, divisions or sections. I've been talking to Scott Close, and they, they, you know, different people use different different terminology. I I think what you're looking at here is, again, I think it's, section division conference like maybe not a conference because the laurel highlands is its own conference but the one thing that i saw that i saw that was interesting to me was that in all honesty if you take out the two bedford county schools 
Actually, no, not the Bedford County Schools. It was the uh, Blair County Schools, so Central and also Bishop, Bishop Guilfoyle Catholic, is that you kind of have the old school Section 1 and Section 2 breakdown that we were used to seeing in the LHAC for a lot of years. And now what that does is, again, it preserves a lot of rivalries because if you're in those if you're in the division with somebody, you're playing them every year. So you're not going to miss out on that Westmont Hills Top Richland game. You're not going to miss out on Greater Johnstown, McCork, Carroll Catholic. You know, Somerset has built some rivalries with those schools, with Westmont Hilltop, with with Richland and so on. And now, like, they, those rivalries are preserved. And you are going to play multiple teams in your other – on the other side. So, like, you're going to see, like, if you're, we'll just use Richland as an example. You're going to see Central Cambria. You're going to see Penn Cambria. You're going to see those schools. Maybe not every year, but rather frequently. And then it might be, like, once every 10 years that you're going to see Belfont out of the East. But just how that is breaking down. Right, and that keeps the keeps the travel down the way it's set up. So you're gonna each each section or division, whatever you want to call it, West One, for instance. There's five teams, so you have four games in that section. So every year you're gonna have four games right there. Then you're gonna play three games against the opposite uh, section geographically. So if you're West One, you're gonna play three games against West Two. And as you said, like a team like Richland, uh, I know they're playing four steals this year and. Uh, if Bedford, uh, so you, you get those schools, and then the other two games are from the opposite. The the East the will play two is. against uh, from the West in those two those two games, and that that accounts for nine games. So then the week ten is something that they think is pretty cool. They're going to reseed the East and the West, and so like the two top teams. The top team in the West, top team in the East will play each other for the equivalent of a Laurel Highlands Athletic Conference Championship. Then the twos will play two and three will play three. Kind of what they did in the Heritage Westpac crossover games. So that'll be what week 10 is. So there's a lot of excitement uh, about the way the schedule sets up for for the Laurel Highlands. And the one thing I found interesting about how they're going to do week 10 is outside of the 1v1, if it's a case where if you're, say, you're Central Cambria, you finished – fourth in the West, and you played a team, we'll just spitball here, we'll say Huntington. Huntington also finished fourth in the West. There's going to be some creative math going on so that you're not playing the same opponent. So you might might have to step up and play a three, or you might have to drop down and play a five or a six. Yeah. Which which is vital when week 10 is going to count toward the playoffs. Because, okay, hey, like, we played, we played a pretty tough team during the regular season that we could have seen in Week 10, but now we don't have to. Now we might have to drop down, and, you know, this might be a more winnable game. Like, there are no easy games on Fridays. But th- th- this could be one of those things where you're looking at a playoff bracket taking shape in Week 10, Week 11, and you're sitting there going, man, this could have been different if Team A would have had to have played Team B instead of Team C. Right. Or, or conversely, Team C, oh, well, we're being overlooked – and now we're going to knock Team A out of playoff contention. Like this is going to be a lot of fun, I think. And now moving on to the intercounty conference, this is where four of our Somerset County schools have landed. So that's Berlin Brothers Valley, North Star, Myersdale, and Winber. They will be in the same division with Northern Bedford County. So that is going to be a really 
fun division, especially at the top with Northern Bedford County, which is going to be a very strong team this year. Winber, which has been very strong over the past few years, and Berlin Brothers Valley, which has been probably one of the premier programs in the area, if not the premier program in the area in the past decade. Yeah, the South Division, uh, as you said, the four teams that left from the Westpac uh, joined uh, with Everett, Northern Bedford, and Tussie Mountain. And then uh, in the North Division, well, Bellwood Annis left, and then uh, you, you have Claysburg, Glendale, Juniata Valley, Moshannon Valley, Mount Union, Southern Huntington, West Branch, and Kerwinsville. So uh, it, it's, once again, geographically, everybody's worried about travel, but for the most part, the four Somerset County teams are playing teams that are familiar with Everett, Northern Bedford, and Tussie. And as you said, last year, that uh, District 5-1A championship game, Wimber, Northern Bedford, what a uh, tough game. It was a great game. Wimber edged them for the first title under the coaching of Matt Grohall. Uh, by all accounts, you talk to everybody, Northern Bedford's a team that has so much back that people are expecting great things uh, from them. And I know Coach uh, Doug Paul at Berlin said that he's anticipating a great game there. And, uh, of course, Wimber uh, always tough, and they, they don't want to lose any of that momentum they gained. And then you got teams like North Star, uh, you know, was a little bit on the rise. So it should be interesting. Now let's move on to the Heritage Conference. Uh, expanding again, uh, taking on two teams, two schools from the former Westpac, or I shouldn't say former Westpac, but former Westpac football conference at least, in Connemaw Township and Connemaw Valley. And what that does is actually adds another county to the Heritage Conference footprint and adds another district because Connemaw Township still going to play in District 5. The remaining 11 schools are all be in District 6. But what this does is for Portage, which jumped over recently, you've got a couple familiar helmets lining up across for you on Friday night now. Right. It's uh, it's interesting. There's been this migration. Uh, the Heritage, we, we used to always have, you know, a, a couple local teams. United was in there, now it's United Valley and Northern Cambria. Well, Cambria Heights moved over. This will be the third season for Cambria Heights, and they won the conference in their debut season. Then, uh, as you said, last year, um, Portage moved over, now Connemaw Township and Connemaw Valley. So a great uh, local feel in, in this conference now. Um, and Northern Cambria last year wins District 6-1A. Uh, all four semifinalists uh, were Heritage Conference teams in Class A. Uh, it, it, it was just a great showing. And then you have your traditional Indiana County teams like Homer Center, Marion Center, Penn's Manor, Purchase Line, uh, River Valley, and then West Shemokin uh, is a team that uh, – joined uh, in recent years, and they, that's a team that's been on the rise. So it should be a great conference. And everybody talks about the heritage beyond just the, the sports. Uh, everybody that's a new member always seems to talk, and they sound sincere when they're talking about all of the academic-type things in yes. the conference, too. There's competitions or achievements academically banned and things like that. And uh, I even talked to Scott Close in the Laurel House, and they're, they're looking at exploring uh, – adapting some of the things that uh, the Heritage uses in that way. Speaking as a, if you can believe it, a former Heritage Conference Science Quiz Bowl Quizmaster, it's great what they do outside of athletics. Um, they have current events competitions, they have arts competitions. It's one of those things, it's just getting everybody involved, getting everybody to have that, how do I want to say this, like to just be able to put their skills, even if they're not athletic, into a competitive event, into a competitive day or multiple days, 
and possibly bring home a, a trophy or a plaque to your school. It's it, it's really it, it's again when they first started doing that, like when the league first formed in two thousand, like oh why why are they doing this? And then I was asked to be the quizmaster for the science bowl, and just. It's just a four or five hour rush. You're just reading questions. You're and like the kids. I mean, like it wasn't like nobody was celebrating like they had just won the Super Bowl. But like you could tell, like there was pride. Like sitting yeah. at that table, sitting on that stage, you know, popping off the answers, answers of the questions. And I remember there were a couple of years there would just be kids who would just man the buzzer, and the other two were just sitting there just in case they were needed, maybe right. to do the math or something. And like you know, kids just firing off, and you're just like wondering. Where where are they going to go to school? Where you know where where are they going to wind up? Yep. Um, well, they have the, the way it's set up. Okay, with twelve teams, you have no divisions; just all twelve teams. You'll scrimmage one of the teams, then you'll play ten games against the other opponents. And the, the only downside from from a, a spectator or media perspective is this whole all the conference juggling has eliminated the Appalachian Bowl, which came back. Mm-hmm. Uh, it had a probably seven or eight year run and brought back some memories. But talking to some of the coaches at Heritage Conference Media Day, they you know they loved it in a lot of ways, but in other ways you're not going to miss it because you're always worried about getting banged up before the playoffs and things like that. So it, it was something you're going to miss in some ways, but not in others. And, and I think it, this this creates an interesting question because if you're a coach, would you rather be sitting in August knowing who you're going to play in Week Ten? Or not know who you're going to play in Week Ten until everything shakes out on Friday in Week Nine. And I, I love the Appalachian Bowl. I love the crossovers. But if I'm coaching a team, like I want to be able to know that okay, like we're playing Cambria Heights in Week Ten. We're playing Portage in Week Ten. So I think to a man, if you ask twelve twelve coaches what they would prefer. They might say, hey, we'd rather know who we're playing. Right. And I know those four years when the Ligonier Valley was just dominant in that uh, in the Heritage Conference and in the Appalachian Bowl, uh, barely letting anyone score on them. You know, you talk to the opposing coach and they, they were saying, hey, we're going to District 6 or District 5 playoffs next week. Uh, you know, we're going to watch what we do. So it's like, it's not even the kind of game you want to see where everybody's going full speed and yeah. everybody's playing. You're kind of looking with one eye to let's keep everybody healthy against a dominant team. <laughs> and, and that created some interesting moments. Um, I, I Like last year uh, in the crossovers, West Shemoke and North Star. A very exciting game with a very exciting finish because West Shemoke needed that win to get into the District 6 playoffs. Congratulations, you wound up playing top seed at Richland. But... They needed that win, and it turned out to be, like, just an absolute treat of a football game. And, but, like, sometimes you get a team that doesn't really have much to play for, is going to play for, you know, the requisite pride, but is just out there because it's a game. It's it's one last time for the kids. It's one last time for the band, you know, and everything like that, which is, and again, that can create an exciting atmosphere all to its own. But there are some times where, You've got an eight and one team, a seven and two team, or whatever that, again, is just trying to stay healthy. And we ran into this situation a few years ago. Um, Mike on his Twitter account um, took a video. It was Penn's Manor playing Ferndale. Yes. And we won't name the Penn's Manor player. Uh, 
got a little got a little too eager after the whistle because it was caught on film. I don't know if Mike was filming in 4K, so we can't say caught in 4K. <laughs> but because it was on film, that really kind of jumped yeah. up what Penn's Manor was able to do because now you're down a person going into a playoff game. Right. I, I remember that vividly because I'm a guy that I'm videoing and I tweet it out, and I you can't really watch it on a little phone. Mm-hmm. So what it was is Ferndale – I believe they had to stop a two-point conversion. There was a two-point conversion, in the, and I was right at the end zone at a perfect angle. And after the play, what it, either Ferndale scored on the two or they stopped the two. I'm drawing a blank. But either way, the play went to Ferndale. There was a massive celebration, and when they were celebrating, somebody got hit inadvertently or, or whatever. And uh, I got it in my video without even knowing I had it. I drove like a half hour to write my story. At that time, I, I worked in the Evansburg McDonald's. I was writing my story on my phone. I could hear it dinging, dinging, dinging. So it was all these reactions to my video on Twitter. And I get a call from Ligonier Valley coach Roger Beidle, and he says, do you realize what, what's going on with your Twitter? And I said, no, what's happening? I'm in the middle of writing my story. I don't really have time to talk to you. And Roger goes, well, you might want to look at your video because it's creating a little bit of an uproar and I said okay <laughs> here I am oblivious to the thing working in McDonald's probably eating a french fry and typing at the same time and uh, hearing all these dings on my phone and then I get a call telling me hey your video is creating a little bit of a stir so backstory on that one speaking as a former sports editor I appreciate that Mike was not worried about his video and he was working on a story exactly but yeah so like it, it, week 10 it, it's always I mean it, it's a game you play Sometimes it means a lot. Sometimes it doesn't mean a whole bunch. But, you know, that's, I, again, I think you would rather know who you're playing. So I think this is something that the Heritage coaches, and maybe some are going to reach out to me and say, no, no, we, we want crossovers. We want different opponents. Prove me wrong. I go for it. Um, District 7. Ligonier Valley is a member of District 7. No changes for, for the Rams. The same opposition you will see, like, even in the non-conference games. They'll go to they'll go to Springdale. I believe they host Southmoreland this year. But then it's the same section. It's pretty heavy at the top. You've got Sarah Catholic, Steel Valley, Ligonier Valley has nestled in among the top tier. And then there are some teams that are improving, some teams that are kind of on the skids. But it's a pretty balanced schedule overall uh, for ten weeks. And this is a Ligonier Valley team that has. Made the District 7 playoffs, uh, has maintained a run of winning seasons throughout, and even in the COVID year when the numbers were down and nobody knew what to expect out of Ligonier Valley, they were able to net a winning season. Four and three, yeah. Yeah, two straight years in the playoffs. Ligonier Valley has held its own in District 7, and I think there are some people who doubted that they would be able to do that. Well, the Rams won their first Whippeal playoff game last year. Uh, They had their eighth consecutive winning record because of that four and three mark in 2020 which which is a, a program record and at that 20 the first year they joined the WPIAL they had had this great run and so many people graduated and then I had to do the preseason story and Roger Vidal was talking about how uh, the depth wasn't there like it had been in the past five or six years and I was thinking oh man what a year to go to the WPIAL you just lost you know a couple of great quarterbacks great linebackers guys that were just like you know, for us, household names in the stat package and everything. And I thought, wow, what a year they're going to go in here. And here they come out four and three in the next two years. They showed improvement each of those years. So uh, 
great job. I, in fact, I ran into one of the assistant coaches at a Tomahawks game and told him, I said, man, I, I got to tell you, you guys are doing a great job uh, in the WPIAL, and uh, he seemed like he really appreciated that. But All right, so we I think we've covered who is going where, who is going to be where. I, looking at some of the key players coming back this season, I think if he's not on top of your list, he's darn close to it, and that's Evan McCracken out of Richland, uh, already committed to Army West Point. And he rushed for a ton of yards last year, I believe. 1,422, uh, according to the stat sheet here. So the second leading rusher in the area behind John Schuster, but John Schuster was going to make sure that the race was for second and not for first last year. Yeah, Evan, uh, and I've covered him two years in a row at the state track meet, well, District 6 track meet, state track meet, and it's impressive what he did down there. The only thing that made it less noticeable is what Ethan Black did, who has since graduated and is now at Penn State, the Connemouth Township, uh, two-time uh, state champion in two events. <laughs> so, so um, yeah, Evan is just unbelievable, um, hard worker. You, you look at him and you can tell the guy lifts and runs and does all the things away from the field. Even most fast. Yeah, most lawns, okay. But, uh, yeah, guy with a great attitude. I talked to him at the Laurel Highlands Media Day and uh, just said all the things that make you think, like, this guy's a team player. So, yeah, he, he's one of the guys. And then uh, right right with him, I would say, Berlin Brothers Valley's Pace Prosser, uh, do-everything quarterback and defensive back who's been starting, you know, since his freshman year and he's going into senior year. And you've also got with the Mountaineers our reigning defensive player of the year, Cody Kimmel, heck of a, a linebacker. Um, Expect more uh, great things from him. So the, those are three right off the top of my head, big big guys. And with Berlin Brothers Valley, it's a weird thing because they lost a lot to graduation, but they're bringing back a lot. Right. It, like it, it's it's a weird balance because like you look at some of the losses, you're like, oh, how are they going to live without that? But you look at who's coming back, you're like, oh, they'll just they'll be fine. Yeah. Like they may not be seven straight shutouts to open the season fine, like because that was just an incredible run, but. Like, this is going to be a team that's going to be in the mix in District 5 or the District 5-8 subregion right. that they've been in for the past few years. Who, who are some other people? Who are some other teams? Well, that in that theme at? you just had there, two, two teams that did exceptionally great things last year and lost a ton of people. So you, you wonder what's going to happen. Like, two of those were Penn Cambria and Wimber. So Penn Cambria, you know, Garrett Harold was our player of the year, and they had, like, Five seniors that were just phenomenal every week in the stats. I'm, you know, I'm typing in their names over and over, like Vinnie Churden and obviously Garrett Harold. I mean, uh, it's just just was unbelievable what they they had and lost. But you know, Coach Felis, Nick Felis, has always talked about, and I love it. He calls it the mountain mentality, and they they want to keep things rolling, and they they take it personally that people think, hey, maybe they won't be as good. And you got guys like Carter McDermott, Gavin Harold, who's Garrett's brother and Derek Hyde have been three three guys that have been in in, in all the uh, great times that they've had in recent years so you look at them and and what those guys are going to bring to the table and, and see uh, you know if they can maintain what they've built there over the last couple years and then Wimber similar I mean Johnny Schuster Befano those guys were great on the district championship team but you know you had some guys that were uh, the younger guys that got a lot of playing time like Luke Hosteller Evan Brady and Ryan Grohall on the line and the, the thing about them is that they had a lot of guys get playing time in Richland was similar because of how dominant they were in many games. A lot of players got in a lot of games. So uh, even though they might be, not be familiar names, there's some, some people with experience. So those are two teams there that 
lost a lot in Northern Cambria, of course, uh, the historic year, uh, District 6 champs. Uh, they lost Owen Booker and, and Cody Dumb and just so many great players off that team. But they got Ty Dumb back, and, you know, they they got something good going there. And Coach Schutte, uh you know, I think he'll have those guys, uh, you know, ready to roll again this year. And it sounds very cliche. It sounds very coach speaky. But you look at these teams that have graduated so much, and you look at the talent that's coming in to fill those spots, and you have to think to yourself sometimes, okay, like as long as they're not freshmen and sophomores that are first-year guys on the team, who were they practicing against? They were practicing against the guys who graduated. So that's sometimes how you get better, and that's sometimes where you get somebody who wasn't on your radar, so to speak, because they didn't get a whole lot of playing time as, a, like, say, a sophomore or a junior and then just come out of nowhere as a senior. Like, look at who they're practicing against Monday through Thursday. Maybe they don't see the field all that much on Friday, but there, there's an advantage sometimes in playing against somebody in practice, getting some live rounds against some all-state talent. Exactly. You only get better by facing that kind of talent. And we have we had mentioned Pace Prosser at quarterback, but there there are some uh, really talented quarterbacks coming back. Uh, interesting situation at Forest Hills last year. Nate Cornell moved in to start the last six games and uh, ended up in that span thrown for 1,100, uh, 1,158 yards. And uh, Chestnut Ridge has a familiar face, Nate Wysong. He threw for 1,458 yards. He's been a starter for a couple years there. And North Star, similarly, uh, Connor Yoder is a, a, a guy that uh, has a lot of experience, and he's thrown for 1,643 yards last year. And then Connemore Township has John Updike, who did it all last year. He was uh, started the season at receiver and had great numbers at receiver. And then when Tanner Shirley got hurt, John moved into quarterback and uh, you know, th- threw – you know, had a significant number of yards. It's probably like 600 yards there. But uh, he's a guy that can, you know, play quarterback or receiver. So there's some some good players uh, at that position out there. It's quarterback. It's it's receiving. It's line play, too. And I think that's always the big question mark for a lot of teams because line play is so vital. You look at some of our best teams when they're getting players that are signing to play at the next level, you think, oh, well, why isn't their running back going? Why, why, why isn't like? But you see three of the linemen moving on to somewhere. You yeah. go back to, I believe it was 2018 or 2019, Ligonier Valley had three Division One prospects on its offensive line. And so that play in the trenches. It's, yeah, that Johnstown High teams in 15, 16, 17-ish, that, those were uh, – the lines were great, and then speaking of that, uh, you know, Johnstown, they've the Trojans have lost 30 straight games and 49 out of 50. This is the second year for Coach Antoine Reed. He's seen a lot of improvement, a change in attitude. But one of the things uh, that he's he and the staff are really working on is that line. They've got two guys there that are, have been leaders throughout the off season here, and uh, they had some success in a seven on seven. Uh, league as well in the summer but two of the linemen that have um, shown a lot of promise that coach Reed has talked a lot about are Elijah Murphy and Donier Simpson so if the Trojans are looking for that elusive first win he said they they're trying so hard to get that win and once you get that win some good things can happen and maybe change the trajectory a little bit uh, those are the two linemen for uh, the city team there Johnstown High 
And this is a milestone season for Greater Johnstown, 125 years of playing football, which is a mind blower. Yeah. That one program has played that long in this area. And I mean, but also like a lot of the schools are byproducts of consolidations and so forth and so on, or maybe picked up the game in the early 1900s or even like post-World War II. But 125 years, that's that's a long time. And But it's not the only milestone or big event that's happening. Uh, for example, we are losing our Saturday Kings. Yes. Yes, Connemal Valley High School, the last of our uh, area local teams that would play all of their home games on Saturday afternoons, uh, has now has lights for Heritage Media Day. I was up there. They were pretty impressive. Obviously, I was there during the day, but they looked pretty impressive. <laughs> they were light pools. <laughs> they were light pools. And uh, as a Connemal Valley graduate, I'm not used to that. So, uh, so yeah, and, and I say that they're the last team that played all its Saturday games under lights because Westmont Hilltop, even though they got the lights, they still play, I believe, one game every year at Price Field during the day. So um, Connemal Valley uh, is going to have a special on, on the opening day, their first Heritage Conference ga- game on August 25th uh, against Portage at um, what was known as Thomas Usick Stadium. Now will be rededicated, renamed. It's going to be uh, John Jacoby, John Jake Jacoby Field at Thomas Usick Stadium. There will be a big uh, gathering before that game and special festivities uh, to honor Coach Jacoby, who's in the State Football Hall of Fame and uh, – Turned around a Connemal Valley team that was similar to what Johnstown's going through now. I think it was 27 straight losses and went to 29 while he was there. And then they got a tie against Connemal Township in week two or three. And then they went to the end of the year. They beat Homer Center and ended, I think it was around 35 games without a win. And then Jacoby turned them around, won a District 6 championship against uh, your Laurel Valley team in a great uh, 92 season there. I, I was trying to not name drop Laurel Valley yeah, in this pro- got it podcast. In. And I, I was trying to start new traditions, and Mike just had to barrel in and yeah, remind me of a 35-6 to six loss in the district playoffs <laughs> in 1992. But, uh, but Coach Jacoby, he did. Uh, he turned around a team that was just in terrible straits and uh, got a, he had over 100 wins. I think it was around 110, but um, – did some great things, and they're going to honor him by uh, naming the the field after him in the Thomas Usick Stadium and playing under the lights at uh, Jake Jacoby Field. And the thing is, like even like after Jacoby has left the program, you still see fingerprints on how Connemaw Valley does things. Like even decades after Jacoby left the program. Yeah, their, their current coach Matt Kent uh, played on that '92 team, and he always says a lot of the stuff he does is because of Coach Jacoby. Uh, I know a longtime Jake assistant and then longtime Cottonwood Valley head coach Tom Marshall. He also uh, did a lot of the things that Jake did. And, uh, you know, so, so he has a coaching tree, too. Uh, you know, guys that played under him that are now assistants or head coaches at other places. So. And speaking of coaches that were longtime stalwarts who have basically established their culture as the culture at a program and have a coaching tree with numerous branches. Don Bailey's going to get his name on a building. Yes, Don Bailey, uh, the legendary coach at Forest Hills High School, uh, took the the Rangers to uh, state runner-up finish in 1994. So many district playoff appearances. I think half of the years of uh, the district playoff existence, they, they were in the running and uh, won a bunch of them. But uh, Don Bailey, uh, they will have at Forest Hills on September 22nd, uh, appropriately when they're playing Richland, which is coached by his son, Brandon Bailey, who was a Forest Hills football star quarterback. 
the Forest Hills foot, foot, or field, house, field house will be rededicated in uh, honor of uh, Coach Bailey. So um, and another big happening there. All right. Any other interesting things to happen? I know that uh, United Valley is going to be playing games at Black Lake Valley again this season, yes. along with games at United High School in Armagh. Uh, like anything else that like we can look for? Any like special uniform games? Any? Well, I I know one thing that's you know usually every year we have you know a couple sometimes three or four coaching changes. This year in our coverage area, we had one um, Brandon Studer, uh, who was a former Conwell Valley star basketball player and football player, uh, has been an assistant at Conwell Township for uh, under the Tony Pena Jr. tenure. When Tony uh, stepped away after last season. Coach Studer took uh, the head job, so this will be his first season. It'll be uh, his first game as head coach. Will be the program's first Heritage Conference game too. So, a lot of changes for Conemaugh Township, and it, it, it's it's weird because I, I remember when I first heard that Studer was the coach at Conemaugh Township. I was like, he's he's a Conemaugh Valley guy. I'm like, what? Yeah. How, he's in the wrong Conemaugh Township. <laughs> like, well, I I did some uh, some of the stuff in the tab uh, stories. Um, he had when he moved back here. He moved away for a while. Um, he had a nice uh, small college career. Uh, he moved away for a while and then came back, probably like a decade plus ago. And he said that, that he and his family moved into uh, Somerset County. And then he ended up being an assistant coach at Carmel Township. And now he's the head coach. And he, he speaking to him at, at Heritage Conference Media Day, like really optimistic. I, he thinks he's got something that can do a lot of good for not the community, you know, just community and also like on the field on a Friday night. And I, I think that's... Yeah, he, he was always one of those, uh, as a player, especially in basketball, I remember he, he got his thousandth point as a sophomore and he finished second all-time in Cambria County scoring to Matt Lushko by one point. I mean, just, the, it was I think it was 2,541 to 2,540, going by memory there. Um so he had a great playing career, and he went to college and played basketball in college, and he coached at Conemaw Valley basketball for uh, for a tenure. So, so yeah, he's uh, he's got experience at uh, the two Conemals. It's just weird to like you know know that like somebody that's like so synonymous, and I mean because there is a little bit of a rivalry between Conemaw Township and Conemaw Valley, and you know like it would almost be like I don't know Kevin Marabito coaching at United. Kevin Marabito being a former Laurel Valley guy, you know, like, but I mean, obviously the circumstances are different. Uh, Laurel Valley is no more, but yeah. So it's just weird sometimes, like when you know somebody for having been a part of some great things at one school and then they just wind up coaching at, you know, a rival, not that like anything's like a blood rivalry in this area, but. Yes, definitely. There's a lot of tight uh, connections throughout this area and uh, just so many people who are a part of the athletic scene, just uh, they they mesh together in one way or another. So just a reminder that our uh, area football preview, the opening TD, hit the newsstands on Thursday, August 24th. If you were not able to get a copy, you can still read the e-edition version at tribdem.com. Also, every Saturday is a special Sports section, Saturday Sports in the Tribune Democrat. It combines all of Saturday's high school, all Friday's high school football action, along with everything else that is going on either on Friday or heading into the weekend. And with it being football season, you'll have the college football, you'll have the pro football. So a lot to, a lot to read on those Saturdays. 
uh, Mike works hard. Uh, Jake Oswalt and I, you know, we do what we can to supplement the uh, coverage and also put together that section every Friday. So I, it's, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of fun. And we're looking forward to another season. So for Mike Mastovich, he can be found on Twitter or X, depending on how you feel about it, at Masty81. I can be found on any social medium that uh, you probably are on at Sean Curtis 430. And as always, we thank you for listening to another edition of the TD Club. And congratulations, you have made it to the end.